from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovius. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. NC State and Carolina in action last night. What to take away from those games. Carolina Hurricanes got a win last night, thanks to Peter Kochekov. Why I don't think there's much of a decision to make as to who Rod Brennamore should stick with in net. Let's log on to the internet, shall we? It's brought to you by Geico. you got a choice of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online to geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Let's get it. With a 2 to nothing win over Morocco, France has a chance to do something that's never been done before in men's soccer. They can win two World Cups in a row. They'll face Argentina on Sunday in the final. It's Messi and Mbappe. Soccer couldn't have asked for a much better final than that, Joe. Yeah, you really can. You got two of the world's best players, both on a one-name basis. <laughs> and you know, look, the World Cup is no different than the NCAA tournament in this regard. It's fun to have these stories get you to a point. But when it comes to the final, you want to see the two best teams with the best players going toe-to-toe. So what, Sunday 9 o'clock? I'm guessing ratings for that will be pretty darn good. And don't for forget, Fox. Argentina's giving us the Alpha and the Omega because they opened the cup by losing to Saudi Arabia. Messi even said it might have been one of the best things to happen to Argentina, mm-hmm. lose that first game in group play. But they've been on point throughout the knockout bracket. But let's get to the most important question, Joe, about the World Cup. Well, this is an all-Gilio final. Yeah, my, my feet kicked up. I'm going to enjoy this tremendously. Are you happy? ecstatic okay good that you know because that ultimately is what the world should be concerned with is Gilio cool with how the world cup shook out and the answer is yes next up one of the four all of the four or half of the four dan snyder is the owner of the washington football commandos and he has a tendency to get hopes up and then pull the rug out from under you whether it's with a new coaching hire, whether it's, oh, it looks like we might have a QB. Nah, we don't want to pay him, blah, 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 blah. I hope Dan Snyder is not doing this when it comes to selling the team. Because according to the Washington Post, the investment bank that was hired by Daniel Snyder is moving forward with the process for him to consider offers to purchase all or part of the Washington football commandos. Bank of America is that financer. And they're going to send basically a prospectus to people who might be qualified to buy one. I don't think you or I or Dennis are going to be getting a prospectus from Bank of America Stadium. Would you like to buy this football team? (laughs) We don't have the money for that. Now, there's only so many people in the world who can afford a football team. It'll be curious to see if Snyder, if they're going to sell it, if he's going to sell it, would be interested in selling it to a single buyer, like what happened with David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers. Here's a single guy with the cash to do it. Off the top of my head, I can only think of one person who can pay straight cash right now for a football team, and that would be Jeff Bezos, who already has an interest in the area because he owns the Washington Post. They've been doing a lot of reporting on this as well. Of course, if Jeff Bezos becomes the owner of the Washington football team, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't hire a coach. He would just have an AI chatbot be the decision maker for the football team. Quarterback calls in for the play like, what am I doing? It's like... And the chatbot just asks a series of questions and gives you an answer instead. 
that's probably where things are going with the Washington football team. Anyway. Are they going to play? Are they going to play exclusively on Thursday nights? <laughs> probably yes. Probably actually no. If you uh, if if you, the players actually have to be Prime members to get the playbooks delivered. It's a true story. It's a true story. Look, I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber. I'm just saying, like I, I know the deal. Gosh. And, you know, if nobody shows up for games, you know what you can do? You can just fill up the stadium with empty boxes. All the boxes that you get from Amazon. Maybe that's how they do uh, trade deadlines, too. Or not like a free agency pickup. It's just a box. Like, did I order that? What did I order? I haven't... Oh, that's right. Totally forgot about that. Do I sound like a person who has an Amazon ordering problem, Joe? You do. You don't even know how to order anything I off of Amazon. You do not. You know what? You might be having blessed ignorance here. Good for you. Anyway, something to keep an eye on with the football team because Dan Snyder's been mired in controversy. Uh, Congress has gotten involved with the House Oversight Committee. Owners are not happy that he skimmed money off the top, so he might actually be getting pressure for real this time to cash out. Do not feel sorry for Dan Snyder because you're going to see the final. If you, you saw what the Panthers went for, over $2 billion in cash, oh, Dan Snyder's going to get a hell of a lot more for one of the marquee franchises in the NFL. Next up. Alex Ovechkin became only the third player in NHL history to score 800 goals in his career. He had a hat trick last night. He did it in style in the Caps' 7-3 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. You want me to save it for your full of a chili, or you, you, surely you can name the two who are in front of him right now? In terms of goals? Goals, career would goals. Be, would be Wayne Gretzky. Yes, sir. And, 894, uh, so not completely out of reach. And uh, what? Lemieux, Gordy Howe, Gordy 801, Howe. 801. Gotcha. So he'll be he'll be second here, pretty close. He's actually the first player in NHL history to score 800 goals for a single franchise. So Alex Ovechkin, I know he's a scourge amongst these here parts, but sometimes you have to tip your hat to the genius that you is. You do, you absolutely do. Next up, number two. To ACC hoops, NC State and Carolina in action last night. Where do you want to start, Joe? You want to start to the game you went to last night or Chapel Hill? Uh, we can start with the Wolves. Sure. sure. Let's start with the Wolves. Um, so far, people would consider it a mixed bag start to the year. They had an opportunity to beat Kansas, didn't, but they backed that up with wins against Butler and Dayton. Those were nice. But then the goodwill that was built up over those two wins was out the window with losses to Pitt and on the road at Miami this past weekend. I'm not sure what you're really getting out of Furman last night, but Kevin Keats knows what's going on with this Wolfpack team. They got no problem scoring. It's some other aspects of the game they need work on, which we did see early in the game with 14 turnovers created by Furman. I think one thing we've proven is that we can score the ball uh, where I want us to continue to do is get better. I think, and I'm not sure about this, you guys can fact check that, I think we're leading the ACC in scoring. So that's never really been a problem with this team. It's just getting better in other areas. That's Kevin Keats, NC State's head football, head basketball coach. What did you see last night? I mean, I know what State's good at. It's some other pieces that need to step up. Yeah, Jack Clark had a nice game. I think he's a guy that's that they're going to need to really make a push. And if it's not going to be Jack Clark, then freshman L.J. Thomas, I, I was really impressed. Big, Bigger guard, athletic kid, had 14 points, five rebounds, four steals last night. He was really kind of the one causing the commotion on the defensive end. And, and, you know, quite frankly, we haven't seen a lot of him yet. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Ernest Ross in the second half, he didn't score, uh, but he was the big. He played the five in the second half of that game. 
I liked what he gave him, what they what he gave State, and then the big guy, DJ. Mm-hmm. I don't think he played at all in the second half because he was gassed <laughs> in the first half. But he can stroke. I mean, they have some very interesting parts. And they, it really does remind me of Les Robinson's last team. It would have been 95-96 when it, Todd Turner was their NBA player. He was yeah. a big – he was a lottery pick of Golden State before Golden State became Golden State. I think Turquavion Smith is an NBA player. I don't think he'll be a lottery pick, but I think he's an NBA player. They have a really nice guard in Jarkel Joyner. And, and it's just going to be a matter of who can support those two players. Mm-hmm. And when you have Marcel and Clark and Burns and, and um, Thomas going, that's a good thing. That kind of felt like the way about NC State last year, too. In yeah, that the more they, guys that are going, the better off they're going to be. And, it's, you know, you're changing some of the names, right? Oh, it's not Hel- – if Helms can do this. That's the thing. If, it's, and if that's, Cam Hayes can do that. And it's like, okay, well. My general attitude for the Wolfpack last year was they never quit on the season. No. They always found themselves – you know, th- their games followed a pattern last year. Missing you, the pretty tournament. much every game, yes. Every game. It was uh, – they would find themselves in a hole, <laughs> and they would find a way to get out. They would of, rally. They would get out of the hole, <laughs> yeah. but then they spent so much energy doing that that they just fell apart in the end, or they couldn't make a crucial play at the end. And so far, the Cincy State team seems to be following a similar pattern. I, I thought last year their bad minutes outnumbered their good minutes. Yeah. I think this year their good minutes are going to outnumber their bad minutes, but can they still withstand those bad minutes? And we saw this on Saturday at Miami. First half, they were really, really good. Yeah. Second half, it got away from them. And those bad minutes, even though they had more good than bad, the bad is what ultimately cost them. And the bad is going to ultimately be on the defensive end of the floor. Too. Now, I'm going to temper these things with it's Furman. Um, and- Furman's a good team, though. Last year, second in their league, they were, you know, they lost in the conference final. Sure. You know, this is this is not a uh, Coppin State. This is I not a, a 300-plus team. This is a good team. But people want to see this against an ACC opponent, which they haven't seen yet. Correct. The That's- Pitt game, you're right, and it deflated the sales because Pitt is better than what they've been. Okay, Pitt is not a bottom feeder anymore in the but league. You're also supposed to be better, but you than are. You were. This is a game at home, and yes. now you look at the schedule coming up, and yeah, Louisville should be a win, but then it's Clemson. It's back to my. It's back with Miami, and then you have Duke and VT, and it's like you start looking at it, and you go, you, you need to bank the goodwill. You need to bank the good wins too, because ultimately, good losses or close losses don't matter. Now, NC State, it's not. It's again, it's been a mixed bag. Um, they have an injury, key injury. In Mahorsic, mm-hmm. but they also get a key pickup, uh, late signee in Isaiah Miranda, who was actually at the game yeah. last night in street clothes. Nice moment for him, yes. But apparently he's going to be available relatively soon. Here's Kevin Keats on how this is going to shake out over the next couple of weeks of getting this freshman in. Listen, I am so excited to have him, uh, first of all. And um, he's a talented young man coming in. Uh, just I want everybody to remember he is a high school kid that's coming into a program that's already been going for a while where we've taken a foreign trip and we now I think we play, what is this, um, 12 games. Uh, but he's talented. He runs the floor. He can block shots. He's got a skill level that's really good. He's a legitimate, in my opinion, you know, top 30 player in the country. Uh, I do not know when he's going to play. Uh, hopefully by the end of the week um, he's cleared from everything and he can get some practice time. Um, I wouldn't say be prepared for him to play against Vanderbilt. I wouldn't be say be prepared for him to play against uh, our next game after that. I, I don't know, but we're going to try to ease him in. So that's Kevin Keats on what to expect out of Isaiah Miranda going forward. 
to Chapel Hill, where the Tar Heels got the win against the Citadel. That's expected. Uh, they dropped 100 on them, biscuit time. You also saw Hubert Davis get the bench going, which is something that the Tar Heels have not done at all this season. Uh, you can look at the, the various metric sites, and you'll see that the Tar Heels do not use their bench. But the circumstances warranted it. But also, it's something that Hubert Davis is trying to 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 lay out about the context of this season. And the one thing that they've been afforded at this past stretch of two weeks is being at home and being able to practice. Here's Hubert Davis on that time and how needed it was. We were on the road. It's just we were playing so many games and traveling, we couldn't practice. And so now that we've been home for a week and a half, we've actually had time to practice. And I know that sounds simple, but it's really a big deal. You know, just having an opportunity to build habits, to get out there and practice and find a rhythm. And also for me as a coach, to be able to coach that and to see that in practice, as opposed to in the heat of a game, a one-point game in the second half, you know, it's, it gives me confidence, it gives them confidence, and um, I really feel like being at home the last week and a half has really helped us in terms of becoming a better basketball team because we've been here and we've been able to practice. That's Hubert Davis, North Carolina head basketball coach. Tar Heels had 24 assists on 32 made baskets. That's what you want to see. This is now back-to-back games where their offense seems cleaner. Um, competition has something to do with that, and that's where that's where we go next, Julio. we got Ohio State, you got Michigan coming up, and North Carolina, if they don't want to find themselves back on that bubble conversation like we saw last year before things took off, well, you're going to have to show something against Ohio State. You're going to have to show something yeah. against Michigan. These two games are really big, not only for North Carolina, but the ACC. Virginia took care of business out of the league. Duke, while they fell short against Kansas, they did beat Ohio State. They do have some other wins that are going to help them and the league going forward but carolina you don't want to be in a position that the same position you were in last year you scrambled out of it for sure you did it the hard way no doubt but that's not a recipe for, for consistent success and that recipe starts on saturday when they take on ohio state next up the number one story of the day we're number one we're number one carolina hurricanes have a goalie We'll explain next. Carolina Hurricanes got a one nothing win last night in Detroit. By the way, what, did you see those reverse retros for the Red Wings? No, nah, I didn't like them. They they almost I don't I don't know. There was Detroit has such a classic right uniform. It's like. Alabama and USC in football. They don't do the nonsense for a reason. You, you don't you don't need When it. you have a classic look, you kind of lean on the classic look. I feel like I'm about to make my second Star Trek reference of the show oh, today, no. which is a problem. But you know when uh when the Enterprise is under attack and they go to red alert and you see the screen that says red alert, that's what the Red Wings reverse retros look like to me. The only thing that was instead of saying Detroit on it, it should have said red alert. It was the only thing that was missing. Regardless, the Carolina Hurricanes are coming out of a stretch of hockey that is pretty damn impressive, man. Uh, Mike Sunheim, who's the Carolina Hurricanes PR guru, he has a fancier title, but he's Mr. PR guy. He tweeted this out yesterday. They finished a six-game stretch, road stretch, last night. And highlighting how much of a grind the schedule has been, 
This is what he tweeted. Since opening night, 50 of 64 days have involved travel, 27 of them outside the Eastern time zone. And starting on Thursday, when they host the Seattle Kraken, 55 of their remaining 120 days involve travel. Four four of them are out of the Eastern time zone. So the difficult portion of their travel schedule is behind them. And the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes are, what, 6-3-1? Six, six, yeah, 6-3-1 in their last 10 is pretty darn impressive. Uh, the fact that they've been able to overcome injuries to both goalies, Freddie Anderson, who should be coming back at some point here, Auntie Ranta, and that the real rookie, the Ruski, the rookie the Ruski, Ruski, Peter Kochekov, has been great. To me, Kochekov is the true story of this part of the season. Third shutout of the year last night. He's the first Kane to have back-to-back shutouts since Kevin Weeks did it back in 2003. That's w- really hard to believe i want you to put well i want you to put a pin in that when it relates to kevin weeks because i'm going to make a point about the canes goalie situation over the last 10 to 15 years and why this is a big deal back on december 5th Corey lavalette of north state journal and the athletic he had a q a in the athletic with carolina hurricanes president don waddell and waddell said that there was a possibility that peter kochekov would go back to chicago for reps once Freddie Anderson came back. I would love to revisit that now because since that, you've seen the injury with Auntie Ranta, and we have a history with Auntie Ranta and Freddie Anderson, and we also have a history of the Carolina Hurricanes having carried three goalies. If I'm the Hurricanes right now, Joe, if I'm Rod Brennamore, I'd tell Auntie Ranta, hey, man, take your time. And you go into a rotation that's Freddie Anderson, obviously. I mean, that's why you have him here. But you give and you keep... Peter Kochekov in the rotation. Goal goaltending is voodoo, man. It is voodoo. And if you got the hot hand right now, you ride that hot hand. You bank these wins now because the Metro Division, they just gone through all this difficulty difficulty. If you look at the Metro Division, what do we know? It is incredibly difficult. I think the, the Devils right now are just like on one. Regardless, you ride Kochekov. Why mess with it? He needs the reps. You don't need the reps in the AHL. You give him the reps now because he's your future. Things I don't worry about when it comes to the Canes. Mm-hmm. And what a luxury. And I'm not alone. Tom Dundon has the same thing. Don Waddell has the same thing. You know Rod Brendamore is going to take care of the situation. You know he's going to do it right. Yeah. And, you know, we can disparage some of the the dead years of, of Canes hockey in those 10 years in, in the desert they didn't make the playoffs and you can go through some of those goalies and try to figure out if they're real or if they're not real but you think about the situation that rod brendamore and the team and how they made the playoffs it's been these veteran combos that rod has managed to get the best out of now three guys is different than two Mm. and these are not all now you're adding a rookie right you're adding a younger player in kachekov this is not a veteran who you can go to and say hey man I just need you to, you know, when you get your turn, I need you to be ready. This is your, you are now turning the page on your franchise. You're saying, here's our guy, our future's now. This mm-hmm. is the MJ Morris situation that NC State had. I have full confidence there will not be a Jack Chambers situation, though. <laughs> when you say, well, we might have to have a talk with Ante Ranta. No. No. No, you don't, man. No. You're a pro. You're hurt. You're paid handsomely. Yeah. And you realize, you know what? I had a shot here. I had a real shot here. I wasn't able to stay healthy. And you move on. 
and it, not in a, you know not in a malicious way, and you're mm-hmm. certainly not telling him, "Oh my no. gosh, you were terrible for us." No, I think Ronta gets it. I mean, Ronta, Ronta. But you're right. You have to go into that locker room, and those players need to realize we're only here for one reason. Yeah, man. And it, the the reason is not to win the division. The reason is not to get out of the first round of the playoffs. The reason is not to settle a score with the Boston Bruins or the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. The reason is the cup. You want to put your name on the cup, and that's why we're playing. So, and we feel like, and what we've seen with the Canes in the playoffs and the shortcomings that they, ultimately has been, has been in goal. Has been in goal. That's the issue. That's why everybody freaked out about Alex Nedeljkovic, because people have been wandering through the goalie wilderness trying to find the guy who's going to get it done. Yeah. The steam ran out. And the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, they made a they made a smart move there. What is what has proven to be a smart move. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily agree with it at the beginning because of the amount of dollars that they were really haggling over seemed yeah. minor. Yeah. But they looked at that at the pandemic year and realized, well, he was good against the same four teams over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's not a legitimate NHL slate. That's not what you're going to face on a regular basis. Yeah, and based on how long he had been in the organization, if they truly felt he was somebody that can be the future, well, they would have pulled him up. A lot sooner. Again, I trust Don Waddell and through Robert circumstances. Yeah. So right now, the Carolina Hurricanes with Peter Kochekov, they clearly believe in him. They did recently sign him to a four-year deal. It's a little bit of a scratch-off ticket, and then it's going to look really, really awesome if he pans out. And, I, and goalie, the goaltender, the evolution of goalie in the NHL has been interesting, right? It used to be like you had the guy, one guy. Yeah, I mean, the dead puck era were with the trap. You needed Marty Broder. Yep. You know, you needed a Dominic Hasek. That's how you won. You had Hasek. You had Belfort. You had Watt. And you had all these guys that were the guy eating up all the games. Now you need two. Or you need a 1A. Like, you really need a you need really like a top guy who's going to get you the majority of it, but somebody you can go back to on a consistent basis. It's not just going to be somebody that carries a load the rest of the way. So the Carolina Hurricanes, we had this debate last year with carrying three goalies. I argued carry all three because of the injury situation. Seems to be the case going forward this year as well. But I think it's flipped now. I think it's Kochekov being the guy you give the majority of the reps to. And Auntie Ranta is the wily vet that just in case if something goes wrong, you know you can go to and say, hey, look, man, I need you to go in there and do the thing and be ready, yeah, also which Ranta can do. Also don't shortchange the way that this franchise was built from their defense. True. And True. they never forget they won a game with the Zamboni driver mm-hmm. filling in. Because of that defense and the strength of that defense. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Spencer Hall. Uh, you can catch him on the SEC Network. You can subscribe to the Channel 6 newsletter as well. Uh, and it, Spencer, how are you, man? How you been? I'm good. I'm good. Kind of coming down off of the season. Which <laughs> yeah. is just three and a half months of complete chaos. And you think that's going to end, and uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's just you have like 12 extra hours to go to Home Depot, which is actually what I'm about to do after I talk to you guys. Awesome. Look, you don't have to talk to us about the craziest in a season. We get it. We live in the coastal chaos. We we bid it adieu this past season. 
Come on, the eye of the the eye of the storm. It really is. R I P to the ACC Coastal. Bar none, the most entertaining football you will find. I didn't say best. I said most entertaining. Absolutely. And NC State just won, you know, four top 25 matchups with four different quarterbacks. So the triangle knows something, a thing or two about some crazy football, right? Um, but football is, it's filled with characters. That's that's why we love college football, why we love college sports. And Mike Leach passed away at age 61. And I think you were probably the first one I saw on social media point out, and rightfully so, that Mike Leach was a complicated dude, and you you spent some time with him down in Key West. What what's the best way to describe Mike Leach? Um, that he did actually sort of seem beamed in from another planet. I know that there were people who said that you know that may have been an act. It was not. I don't think there was anything false or calculated about him in the least. Some people said that he would go on a monologue about candy because it distracted from uh, questions about his team, their performance, and took some of the pressure off them. No, no, he just wanted to talk about candy. There is a profile where Graham Harrell talks about him walking into the room, the meeting room, and sitting everyone down and wanting to talk about pirates. And he goes on for like 90 minutes about pirates and how piracy worked. And and someone said, do you think that was strategic? And Graham Harrell said, no, um, I think he just wanted to talk about pirates. So that was what he was like. He was very singular in uh, his tastes, his interests. He was interested in things that, yeah, most football coaches aren't. But I will tell you this. He was interested in a lot of things that a lot of nine-year-olds are interested in. So if you just imagine you took all of your interest at nine and you just decided you were going to do a deep dive on all of them, that's what he was like for his entire life. So he was unique. He was different. I think he was very, very singular in a lot of ways, and that includes his answers to things. Like, he was a genius. I, no holds barred. Dude was a flat-out genius. But sometimes if he came up with an answer, that answer would not get reexamined. He did the same thing his entire career as a head coach with very little adjustments. He was uh, stubborn. He was singular. And if he thought he had the answer and you had a different one, then he was not necessarily going to meet you halfway on that or even a quarter of the way. Spencer Hall joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. That's Jovius. I'm Joe Giglio. Spencer, what does Mississippi State do next? Because they don't have an AD, and that's got to be, if it's not the most difficult job in the country, it's the second most difficult job in the country. And that kind of shows you that you had to be a genius. You almost needed a Mike Leach in that job. So what do you think they do next? Yeah, part of the limiter on Mike Leach at Mississippi State was that he wasn't going to change much, and they were capable of going seven and five or eight and four pretty much every year with that system and how well they ran it. They weren't going to do much better than that, and there's a kind of devil's deal in doing that because at Mississippi State, you could be slightly happy with that, but never completely happy because yeah, you've won ten games before. That's that's happened pretty recently. You know, Dan Mullen, um, it ended badly at Florida, but consider the massive job he did at Mississippi State, probably his best coaching job, and understand that, you know, that's a guy of some skill. He just needs to be, I think, in the right environment, not necessarily recruiting against heavyweights in the field like Kirby Smart. I think that Mississippi State now has to look for the next unconventional. And, I, you know, there are definite directions that even, like, I think the most out-of-touch athletic director could see are emerging. You know, uh, the models right now that are, I think, the air raid for the 2020s. And by the air raid for the 2020s, I mean 
uh, an option offense, a leveler, something that, you know, where you take scheme and talent that I would describe either as off cut or, uh, you know, sort of like doesn't fit at, you know, any other school, you take talent there and you develop it and you put it in a situation where you go, okay, we'll do what Kansas does with Lance Leipold. And, you know, we'll find a way to run with leverage. We'll run a sort of, uh, elaborate pass friendly option scheme that coastal Carolina runs under Jamie Chadwell. These are the directions that they're going to have to go. I will tell you a lot of the time when this happens, you know, you go with an interim and you sort of see how it goes. If it happened just before the season, given the timing of, of when this absolutely horrendous thing happened, um, there is still some time to, I think, run, what amounts to a fairly conventional coaching search, right? Um, they won't be happy about it. You know, I think Leach was uh, well-liked in Starkville um, as he was everywhere. But I think that what they're going to do is going to resemble, you know, what, what I think a lot of schools are going to end up doing anyway, just with a sort of few weeks delay on it. Spencer Hall joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. You can catch Spencer Channel 6 newsletter. Uh, you can check out the shutdown full cast, SEC Network as well. Uh, we'll close on this, Spencer. You know, what you were what you were talking about with, with Mike Leach being somewhat unconventional. Uh, you had to do that in Starkville, just like you had to do that in what Pullman, Washington. Uh, just like you had to do that in Lubbock, Texas, where most of anybody that I know who's ever gone to Lubbock is ready to leave the minute they get there. Uh, these are not desirable places. And I always find it interesting that 98% of college football, stuff that we do with here in the triangle in- included, you're, you're not going to compete with Alabama. You're not going to compete with Georgia or how Clemson's been able to do things in the ACC. So why don't you see more college football programs go in a different direction? Is it just their own conservative nature or there just aren't enough Mike leeches out there? I mean, I think both of those are true. If I could say, I'll take a flyer on both of your answers to that question because uh, Mike Leach is one of one. Consider that even among underdog coaches, Mike Leach is one of one. He coached at a long list of teams in the hinterlands of Mm -hmm. the sport and was successful at all of them, never landed or was never trusted with, uh, you know, a major, major programs job, like a top 25 job. Um, because I think people even 10, 15 years into his career, um, they're scared of upsetting the boosters. Consider Tennessee, Tennessee attempted to hire Leach and was uh, John Curry, the AD at the time, you know, they were in talks and it was going to, it was going to be a thing. Yeah. And the boosters and powers that be, they were so repelled by the idea that they ended up firing the AD, the president of the school, I believe, mm-hmm. um, uh, ended up resigning over it. That was just one of the catalysts in a disastrous coaching search. But I think most of the time people lack the daring and people want somebody familiar and they don't necessarily want to try anything new or interesting or admit what they are. There's very few programs that have to admit what they are outright and say, we're going to be a, a team that is competitive, interesting, and probably tops out at eight or nine wins. That's very difficult for somebody who's asking boosters to give money. You don't write a large check as a <laughs> mega booster for, for, for eight wins. No, You don't. You might do it for one year, but after that, you're putting a down payment on, on 10. Allow That's me to introduce note. you to NC State football, Spencer. 
Correct. Correct. <laughs> right. Like that is that is very much what NC State faces. That is very much. I think what I think that's probably if we're being honest, that's the majority of yeah. football yeah, programs. It really is. is to say. Yeah, if you know it's a if it if it is a bell curve and you've got standard deviation over here, standard deviation over here, and then the big general majority of programs in the middle, most of them are having that kind of identity crisis. That's why, you know, and I think Mississippi State, by the way, Mississippi State's done a great job. Kind of high, they they go to their boosters and they say, y'all know what we are, right. but we're not, but we're not going to go out and hire the dude who is we're not going to go out and hire Paul Johnson. No offense to Paul Johnson, but we're not going to go out and hire a guy who's an academy guy. Mm-hmm. We're going to find somebody else like that. Somebody else who yeah, likes to run a little QB option. Somebody else who likes to uh you know, use some sort of field leveling strategy along with some like innovative uh recruiting and scouting. That's very much what they've done. So I think based on their last three hires actually if you include Joe Moorhead who I, I think Joe Moorhead did a pretty good job there. He wasn't a great fit and wasn't as successful as Mullen or Leach, but he still, I think, was a great hire. You know, they've been three for three for me over their past three hires. I think they're very aware of what they are. Most programs are not. Most programs are not either confident enough or unwilling as a unit to get together and say, all right, y'all, let's be honest. Let's start here. Like most people, I'll put it this way. On a personal fitness goal, most of you are about two or three weeks away from deciding on a fitness program. And they're going to ask you, are you beginner? Are you intermediate? Are you advanced? <laughs> and a lot of y'all a week into it are going to be injured because you did admit I'm a beginner. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what, pro, you know, you're a football program, right? You're not ready for that advanced stuff. What you need to do is admit we need to start with the basics. And maybe we need a coach who's going to make things a lot easier for us and expectations that are going to make us happier in the long run. Spencer Hall, check him out. Channel 6 newsletter, shutdown full cast, SEC Network. Appreciate it, man. Have fun at the Home Depot. All right, yeah, about to.